Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on two clashes against Swindon and ahead to Saturday's clash with Carlisle United are Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi chaps. Stu, how are you? Very well, how are you? Well, I've spent a bit too much time in Swindon for the liking <laughs> in the last week. Have, have you managed to navigate the magic roundabout? Ah, well, I, I went up on, on, on my own. I drove up on Tuesday for the, for the trophy game and got there about, I think it was about four o'clock. And I think I timed it quite well because you get to the magic roundabout, the series of five mini roundabouts that make a big roundabout <laughs> right by the, the side of the county ground. And I got there and I thought, yeah, there's a, there's a window of opportunity here and I just sort of went for it and uh, I got through quite easily. And then um, on Saturday, very kindly, uh, Jack, well, Jack came along as a fan, as an Argyle fan. You sat in the, the Stratton Bank and almost got soaked, didn't you? Almost, not quite. I was but, quite, I'm quite thankful. But Jack, uh, you, you navigated mm. the, the magic roundabout after the game, didn't you? What was the experience like? Nothing can prepare you for it, can it's I? Mean, I've, seen, I've seen pictures of it. I'd heard about it. I heard Chris talk about going over it. But nothing could prepare you for the project. and I just did not know what the hell I was doing. I just looked and saw no one was went coming my it. direction and went and held Absolutely. my breath. Well, the good news is that both Chris and Jack are still here <laughs> to tell the tale. And so, and so is the Paul car as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> the, the last time I heard about the Magic Roundabout, it had Zebedee and what yeah, 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 I don't know how it, I don't know how it got that name. What well, that's mental. Yeah. Well, let's start with Saturday's game then. Um, a good point gained, would you say? Um, well, when you one 0 down with fifteen minutes to go, and it was looking though they were heading towards a defeat, yes. Um, I thought the first hour was poor from Argyle, although I don't think Swindon were a lot better, in all honesty. It was two teams that, that weren't firing on all cylinders at all. Um, after Baxter and Cooper came on as the subs uh, in the 61st and 69th minute, that did make a difference. Argyle had to be uh, a bit more adventurous. They, the, the wing-backs were pushing forward. Uh, they created some opportunities. Joel Grant scored a good goal. Uh, we can talk about him later in the podcast. Um, and then at 1-1, you felt, well, you know, they could go on and nick it. And uh, the closest they came, Jack, was that Anthony Sarsavik volley, which was a tremendous strike. I mean, nine times out of ten, that had probably flown in the net. And I'm still not quite sure if it was the goalkeeper or the defender, Matthew uh, Baldry, who, who bravely got themselves in the way and, uh, uh, and kept it out. So Argyle could have nicked it in the end, but I think Ryan Lowe summed it up fairly well where he said that he thought a draw was a, was a fair result. Jack, from a fan's point of view, well, firstly, it was, in your way end? It, it was a good game. There was you know, the 2,300 Argyle fans making a lot of noise before the game. The Swindon Stadium holds noise quite well all around, I thought, actually. You go to some and they're a bit more open and the noise sort of escapes and you don't really hear it, but there was some, there was some good... Um, there was nearly 10,000 there as well, so it was a decent crowd, wasn't it? Yeah, there was, and I got Chris is right, the first hour, I got dreadful, especially the first half, there were so many misplaced passes, it's like the players have never seen each other before. Unexcusably poor passing. Luckily, I got only 1-0 down. Not that Swindon were particularly good, but, you know, the passing, they gave away the ball so many times and Swindon didn't make the most of it. And there was just no, in my mind, when the second half started, there was just I couldn't see where an Argyle goal was coming from. That being said, uh, Alex Palmer wasn't tested much in this winning goal either. Um, but when we got the equaliser, it was I thought George Cooper was fantastic, and we might talk about him a bit more later. But he was fantastic when he brought on was when he was brought on. And we've criticised Argyle a lot over the last year or so, maybe about lack of impact substitutes, and they they were impactful that on, on Saturday and definitely giving Ryan Lowe plenty to think about. 
And as Chris said as well, when, when Anthony Sarsavik had that chance, we thought it was going in, and I think it was the keeper just got his head to it. You know, the keeper went, sorry, the keeper went to the right, the defender jumped up, and sort of somehow the ball bounced off something and went, went away. Mm. I saw Sarsavik tweeted out if that had gone in, he would have dived headfirst into the away crowd. So <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a shame from that perspective, didn't it, as well? But Argyle were very good for 20 minutes. It's just that magic word, isn't it? Consistency. They need to find it because they're fantastic at times and dreadful at others. Yeah, well, Steve Ramsey felt it was two points dropped. Uh, he, he thought Swindon were there for the taking. Richard Francis, draw a fair mm. result. So um, That sort of sums it up. I think yeah. Swindon were there for the taking in the last half an hour. Um, I do think it was probably a fair result on, on balance. Uh, neither team, so. neither team impressed, did they? You wouldn't no. have looked at that and thought, "Oh, they're going to be pace setters this no. season." That's that's the problem. It was, it was, a, it was a pretty ordinary game, in all, in all honesty. Yeah, well, I was quite surprised to see Will Ameson substituted, mm. and I'm sure many other Argyle fans that weren't at Swindon probably were as well. What was the? And it wasn't, it wasn't an injury. It was, was an it? injury. I mean, that was when he didn't reappear for the second half. I assumed, you know, that it was probably injury related, but um, it wasn't. Ryan Lowe explained uh, explained it afterwards. I think Jack's just hit the nail on the head about the passing and he didn't he didn't feel that Argyle as a team were passing the ball, playing the ball out from the back the way he wanted to. I think he views Will Ameson as a really strong, physical, robust defender who's going to be a very good uh, um, asset at set pieces. He wanted Niall Canavan to get on the ball more, to play the ball forward. He, I think he thinks he's quite a good technical player on the ball. And it was it was just to get Argyle playing more, and I think that did make a difference in terms of Argyle did play a bit better in the second half, although it wasn't really until Baxter and Cooper came on that made the difference. So it it was it was a tactical one. It was a bit of a surprise, but I suppose you'd say on balance it, it probably worked. My one concern when it happened, well, firstly was that it was injury. I thought yeah. not again. This can't be happening again. Although with Argyle's recent record of injury, it wouldn't surprise me. But my one main concern after he went off was the lack of threat from attacking set pieces because we've seen how good Will Ameson is at getting onto the end of corners, free kicks and sadly when he's not in the team there's just no one really getting onto the end of it and if they do the header goes looping up into the air and nowhere near the goal. Ameson's the only one that seems to be able to sort of at least test the keeper or test the defence from those sort of situations and I, I, I can't really recall too many corners or free kicks at all actually in the no. second half but no. the odd one or two they did have again nothing much came from it so that is the one concern when Ameson's not playing as well for me. Yeah, um, Danny Mayer was mm. picked up a, a yellow card in the game, which means he's going to miss the game against Carlisle, I suppose, on Saturday, isn't he? Yep. How much of a blow is that for Argyle? It's an interesting one with Danny Mayer at the moment because uh, the booking was out of frustration. Uh, you know, Argyle are pushing for a winning goal. The keeper's caught the cross. He's gone sort of moved forward into his penalty area to throw the ball out to set Swindon on the attack, and Danny Mayer's just just pulled him back. It was an obvious yellow card. It was a needless thing to do, really. Um, but just, I think, frustration um, spilled out. Um, he didn't have a great game. Uh, subsequently, when we saw Ryan Lowe after the game, he confirmed that uh, that Danny hadn't trained last week because of an ankle injury. And that was why he wasn't involved in the EFL Trophy game. He didn't even travel to that game. And he didn't look fit. He wasn't sharp. He looked like somebody that hadn't trained all week and that had, had a, an injection, which he had to, to play the game. Fair play for, for him for wanting to have an injection and wanting to play. That's, that's great, that's fantastic. But it wasn't the Danny Mayer that Argyle are going to need going forward. So maybe getting suspended, having a clear week this week, 
uh, not playing next Saturday against Carlisle, then he'll be available for the game against Leighton Orient next Tuesday at home park. Mm. Uh, hopefully he'll, you know, that 10-day rest will do him a bit of good and he can, you know, get himself back, back on song. But he didn't look right. So in a way, it's quite... In a way, it was a relief to know that there was a reason why he didn't mm. look right. It was because he, he was injured and he hadn't trained. Well, that's when I said to Chris when we got in the car, he was mm. an old chap. Because well, obviously we don't see each other because Chris is up doing his work. I was in the away end, so we didn't see each other until after no. the game, did we? After you'd finished doing all your bits. And he said to me, what did you think of the game? I thought, I can't believe how poorly Danny Mayer played. I thought it was an awful game for him. And then you, you said that it didn't, it didn't surprise me at all. But it's a chance for someone else to come in now. Yeah. Maybe George Cooper in, in such a midfield. He really did impress on Saturday, I know he played in the wing-back position, but maybe Mavazim will start there, maybe Cooper will be there, Baxter impressed as well. There's a good few chances, but for one of them, whoever gets picked, it's their chance to try and say, right, this is why I should stay in your team. Yeah. Um, with the run I've got been on, what was it, one winning eight? Mm-hmm. There's a chance there for someone to, yeah. to really push themselves mm-hmm. into Ryan Lowe's mind. Well, I think they said on the EFL show, didn't they, they, talk about, they spoke about George Cooper and saying how he's a number 10 by trade mm-hmm. when he was at Carlisle, but he's, Danny Mayer's got that role tied up at the moment as an Argyle fan Jack um, what have you made of Danny Mayer I mean a lot was said about him coming in pre-season you know Ryan Lowe was, was, he wasn't short in his, in his praise of him at all saying he'll be the best player in League 2 felt he's be- a better player than Graham Carey which is a big call given how popular Graham Carey yeah. was with fans uh, what's your take on, on Danny Mayer well, in terms of um, a Ryan Lowe team we said before in this podcast that quite a few Berry fans have said Ryan Lowe team won't click until November, December time and I think that's the sort of time maybe we should be judging the likes of Danny Mayer it's a new team um, at, the, at some point he plays fantastic football there's no arguing that you know he, he's, he's fantastic when he's on, on his game but perhaps when other players aren't picking up his runs or making the same movements he was used to at Berry, sort of he can show what he can do in terms of passing where sometimes he'll play the ball into a box or into someone dangerous and no one's there or, or whatever and he also gets kicked a lot in games doesn't he he's, he's going to be targeted heavily by the opposition if, if you're who are I going to play next my mind's gone Carlisle, Carlisle. Mm. if you're Carlisle you're going to be thinking right well not no, because he's going to be suspended so if you're Leighton Orient you're <laughs> going to be thinking or anyone that's coming up against him will we'll mark him and that's when the other players need to improve because if there's two or two players on him someone should it's be free so it is tough in terms of whether he's better than Graham Carey you know Argyle started very slowly under Derek Adams a lot of the time so you can't really tell that until the end of the season but he's got potential he's a very good player we do know that and when him and McFadden play well together they are superb and there's probably you'll be hard pushed to find a better two on one side in League 2 so yeah well I spoke to you over the weekend and you said you were a bit disappointed with how that link up worked on Saturday you felt it just didn't quite click for our goal down the left well, again, side me and Chris talk a lot on the way home uh, and McFadden hasn't been as good as he was in the opening few weeks. Um, and my take on that, and I could be wrong, but my take on that is, I think he, McFadden, needs Danny Mayer to be at the top of his game for the partnership to work well and to make McFadden look good. I think if one of them's not on their A game, it'll affect the other one, especially McFadden, because he's a bit further back. So that, for me, that, that could be the reason, but he's definitely not been as, you know, how many goals did he score in the first few weeks? You know, people think, oh, this is, this is fantastic, yeah. and he's getting into the box. Even when he's getting the chances, he's sort of snatching at them a bit more now and the shots are going well wide rather than on target. So I'm glad there's a spare week now where they can have a bit more time to, to rest and then train again. Uh, he's a good player, there's no doubting that. But yeah, he's gone off the ball a bit recently. Yeah, is that a fair point, would you say? Yeah, they, they very much seem to be a pair, don't they, um, Fadzine and Maya. And I agree with Jack. Jack made the point when we were driving back from Spindon on Saturday that 
when one plays well, the almost inevitably the other one has played well as well. They, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when Danny Mayer's not quite on it, then McFadden doesn't get the ball in the same areas and the same quality, so he's not as effective going forward. So I think with Danny Mayer not having one or two better games, McFadden has, has suffered as a as a result of that. As, as far as Danny Mayer overall. I, th- I think I've still given him four star man ratings this season, so he's 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 not playing badly. I think he's come here amid a lot of expect high expectations. The manager certainly didn't downplay that with saying that he was better than Kerry and Ramirez. Um, so we've seen some good games from from him. Uh, I agree that sometimes the the players aren't on the same wavelength as him, and sometimes he makes a really good pass, but no one's anticipated it. I think there's better for him uh, to come. Uh, I just feel he Saturday he uh, he would have, he knew he was injured, so that would have been part of the problem as well. But he did look a bit frustrated. You feel like he's almost trying too hard. He's only got the one goal. You know, he he wants to be. He expects to be the main man. He wants to sort of make an influence. And it's just not quite happening for him at the moment. He just he does look a little bit frustrated at times, and he. It's easy to say, but he doesn't have to take the whole weight of expectation and pressure on his shoulders. You know, he's a good player, and I think he'll perhaps benefit. You know, if they can get the likes of Jose Baxter and George Cooper in the starting lineup, mm. who are two really good technical players, then it's not all down to Dan- Danny Meyer to do yeah. all the creative stuff. If Baxter and or Cooper can both get in there as well, then teams can't focus their attention on Danny Meyer so much. Jack's right, he's, he's got kicked from pillar to post in recent games. I mean, it's no surprise he's got injured, is it? It's no surprise he's got injured. Um, and, you know, he, I don't think he's been protected properly, but, you know, that's another another converse, conversation. But if they can get Baxter and Cooper fit and in the same team, and it's going to be difficult to get the three of them all in the same team, but it's, it's, it is achievable. Then, um, then maybe he'll benefit from that as well. It's interesting listening to Chris as well because you could almost lift Mayer out there and drop Kerry in because he was the same at points, wasn't he? He sort of was almost hindered by the bar that had been set by himself, by his own standards. Yeah. So for Danny Mayer, it was last season mm. by what Ryan, Ryan Lowe said about him. You know, you need other players around you to perform. The whole weight of results can't be on one person's shoulders because we saw, you know, Kerry was at his best when others were performing well, like Lemire. So it took the pressure off. Ladapo was scoring goals, Carey could, could express himself more. So I think it's almost the same for Danny Mayer. So what is the solution then? You say that there is a, a way of doing it, Chris. What would be your solution to getting all three in, in the same team? Well, it looks as though George Cooper, as you rightly said, Stu, is, can be a number 10. But I mean, he looks like he can play in a number of positions. Um, I guess that's could, that crew grounding, really. It, it, it is. So he could play as a left wing back. Uh, but then you're sort of breaking up that mcfadden Mayer partnership that... When it works, it works really well. So um, although he can play as a wing-back, I'm not sure that's the best where he goes. So I'm wondering, looking at what the options are, is you play Danny Meyer and George Cooper as the two central midfield players by the time, behind the two strikers. You play Jose Baxter as the holding midfield player, which is what he did on Saturday when he came back into the team. And then you can move Joe Edwards to right wing-back or play Joe Riley at right wing-back. Joe Edwards has done well um, in the midfield holding role overall. I think I'd be a little bit reluctant to move him, but to get Meyer, Cooper and Baxter as your, your triangle in midfield, 
that they could arguably be your best three players, your most technically gifted three players. Mm. So get them in that area of the pitch where they can influence the game. If that means you have moved Joe Edwards to right wing back and he's got to do a, do a job out there, then I think that, to me, I don't know about you, Jack, would be the, the best way of getting some good technically gifted players that you know will be able to create chances not just for themselves but for, for teammates. I think the simple answer for how do you get them on the same team is they have to stay fit. I think yeah, that's the right. first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. You know, that that's that's an important point. But I think Chris is right, you know, and those three in the midfield, there's not gonna be a better three name wise in League Two, but the downside of that is it would be unfortunate for Sarsavik to miss out because he's yeah. been, you said in the Swindon game, Swindon game he was excellent. fantastic and he showed that in glimpses mm. the last 20 minutes he really was fantastic but he might have to be the one that then has to be an impact player and that's your role as an impact player if you come on and you, and you do well then, then you're in Ryan Lowe's thoughts for the next game if Anthony Sarsavik played like he did in the trophy game he was absolutely outstanding in that game and then for the first hour, like on Saturday, like everyone else, he, he wasn't really at it. Mm. But he, he did finish the game strongly. Very well. I, I wouldn't have any kind of, I do think Anthony Sarsavik in League Two is a very good player. And so, uh, although I've not included him in... Uh, you've asked me how would you get these yeah. three players in, that's how I would do it. But those three players would have to perform because Anthony Sarsavik is a very good player. Could easily play alongside Danny Meyer. And then do you play Baxter or Cooper behind... Um, like I say, Baxter is a central midfield player. You're not going to play him any, anywhere else. You're either going to play him as a 10 or mm. behind the two central midfield players. Cooper can play in a number of positions. He can play right wing back. I was going to say, is he right footed? Um, so he, he could play right wing back. But I'm just thinking if you get those t- players who are good quality in, in the central area of the pitch, they're likely to have more of an influence, aren't they? You can, you can have a good game as a right wing back, but sometimes you might not get that much of the ball. And, you know, yeah. is he. Are you, you wasting you some of these qualities I, in that, in I that say, position? You don't want to waste someone's potential. You know, he's, he's come here, obviously, because he can't get into the team at Peterborough. There's, I believe it's right that there's an option to buy him in January, so he's going to want to impress either for Argyle, either for Peterborough, either for someone else. And once you get them all playing well together, because like you said, they are some of the te- most technically gifted players mm-hmm. in the team. Some of that passing, rather than just being limited to Mayer uh, and McFadden and then hopefully someone else contributes, you've got two or three more players that can hopefully be part of that for the bigger picture and then help get the ball forward. But yeah. they're going to have to perform yeah. and live up to the sort of expectations that we've got of them. But that's what you want. You want good players that can have to unfortunately miss out and be on the bench and mm. then have to have to prove themselves when they yeah. come on. Someone's, the self, someone's always going to miss out. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the forward line as well then because obviously Joel Grant scored the goal up at Swindon on Saturday. Where does he fit in if Dominic Telford and, and Byron Moore are both fit? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, would he be in the starting lineup at the moment? Because he's got two goals in the last two games. Um, so he's, he's done well. He's taken the opportunities. It was a good finish on Saturday, I thought. Um, Very good. I don't know about you guys. I mean, it was it was good build-up and everything, but it still took some work to um, mm. to score it. Joel Grant, you just, you're never quite sure with Joel, sure with Joel are you? Um, he has some periods of games where he, he looks really good and then sometimes the, the form dips away a bit at the moment he's doing fine he's come back from an injury uh, I would have him in the starting line you, you play the hot hands he scored two in the last two so he, he keeps his place um, I thought him and Zach Rudden worked quite well in the trophy game on Tuesday not so much on Saturday but I quite like the idea of Zach Rudden who's he's a bit more physical will run the line hard, he'll get in behind defences. I like the idea of the combination of the two of them. Um, 
But I think I've said on the podcast before, Dom Telford looks, when he's been fit and he hasn't been fit enough, he, he does look sharp. He does look like he knows where the goal is. So um, when fit, I, you know, I, I would like to see Telford and Grant have a, have a go and see, uh, see how they get on. There'll be plenty of pace from Telford. Grant's not slow. There'll be movement. They could drift around uh, out into wide positions, both of them. It would make, you know, it would make Argyle, uh, Argyle wouldn't be predictable with those two playing up front. Um, but let's get Telford and Moore back fit first of all, and uh, and then that's a another option for Ryan Lowe. But Joel Grant's, you know, he's got three goals this season. Scored on the first day of the season, had a spell out of the side. He's got two in the last two games. He should feel be feeling good about it himself, um, and just see how they can work it best uh, from there. Jeff. I've been impressed with Joel Grant actually because I remember saying in the summer. I don't see where he's going to fit in in a Ryan Lowe team. You saw about the formation he was going to play, mm. no no wingers, and I thought that could be his time at Argyle up. But he stepped up into that role when he when he's fit, scored goals, and if he keeps scoring goals, he's mm. not going to be dropped. It's no, as simple it's as that. He's taken, you know, so many times in his career at Argyle, other people have been able to take advantage of him being injured, and it's sort of held him back. He's now got that chance because others are injured, and if he carries on doing well, then it's his jersey for someone else to try and win. And, you know... I, I agree with Chris I would like to see Joel Grant and um, Telford play together because they're both a handful and um, it goes back to what we were saying a few weeks ago that it'd be so nice if Ryder could pick what I think would be his first choice team I still don't think he's been able to pick that this season um, but every manager will say that they want a headache ahead of games and when these players do come back fit as long as no one else goes off injured in the meantime <laughs> there will certainly be a few things for him to ponder Well welcome back to the podcast Um, We spoke in the first half about Swindon We'll start the second half by talking about Swindon (laughs) And the leasing.com trophy game Chris I know you hate the competition And the bad news for you is that Argyle are on the verge of qualification (laughs) Well they could do couldn't they They've got Chelsea to come on Tuesday October the 29th isn't it For a third year in a row For a third year in a row (laughs) And uh, they need a point I think think it was they need a point to ensure their qualification well, they did get beat 5 0 by Chelsea last year, didn't they? So, um, about that, the better. that's uh, <laughs> not necessarily uh, a given. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the competition. Uh, it was interesting when I went up to Swindon last Tuesday, I couldn't find out a crowd from anyone. No one seemed to know what the crowd was. You could tell there was very few people there. <laughs> they could have done a head count. Would they uh, all fit into the Argyle away end, do you think? Easily, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, even the Argyle um, supporters club didn't have a coach going to the game through lack of demand and when you think Swindon's not that far it just shows you the the, the yeah. lack of appetite to go certainly to go and watch the games although we know from our live blogs that there's there is interest out there people yeah. do do follow it um so um what yeah the... stay away and just follow the blog <laughs> that's all, that's all well you say anyway long story short I did look in the match program on Saturday and the attendance at the county ground last Tuesday was 1,199 so, say, uh, there wasn't even 199 Argyle fans, I don't think. So, about 1,000 home fans. Uh, and to me, then the same teams play five days later, admittedly in a league game, and there's nearly 10,000 there. It says all you need to know about the yeah. competition. So, But as a game, it was probably the best Argyle have played this season. Yes, Swindon made seven changes. Argyle made five, I think it was. Um, but they played really well. I mean, it was 3-0 going on five or six they could have won comfortably and that's I suppose where the, it was disappointing in the first hour on Saturday that having seen our goal play so well and create chances and score goals that they didn't look the same now obviously there was the changes back 
you know, from the trophy game as well. But the the, the difference in the performance was was considerable, and I suppose that goes back to Jack's point about consistency and uh, and Argyle not being able to do it often enough. But they they played really well in that game. Chelsea to come, and then if if they do uh, draw or win that one, then they'll be into the last thirty two. And Jack and I again were talking on on Saturday about oh, I've had I've had a dreadful record in this mm. competition. I mean, I think I remember them getting through to Coventry one year, where they played at the Rico Arena. I think that was like the Southern Section quarterfinals, but they've never got anywhere close to getting into the finals. I can't say I'm really bothered if they do this season or not. Um, I'd much rather they uh, win a few more league games than than having a run in the trophy. But you know, with my fan head on, and I I hate the the inclusion of these youth teams I, I don't like that I wish it didn't happen I don't like the group the group phase I wish it was straight knockout so there, don't get me wrong there are plenty of gripes I have but I do get a bit excited when it gets to the knockout stage and you're getting closer to Wembley and we can't forget that a lot of fans want more and more money spent on the team this is a way for the club to earn some yeah. decent money mm-hmm. and we can't forget that you know you, you can't have it always fans can't keep expecting Sam have to dip into his pocket time and time again this is a good way for the club to make money I quite like the fact that Ryan Lowe has said he's taking it seriously it's a good chance for some of the ones that are good players that aren't getting in the first team to play some minutes, which should help the first team in the league game. Some people debate whether it has an impact on your league form if you get a, a long way. Some teams do well, some teams don't. I don't think there's a set rule. Um, Didn't but, affect Barry last season. Well, I, was, I mean, I've got that written down here because Barry did fare really well. I think they reached the area final last season under Ryan Lowe, so he certainly takes it seriously and it had no effect on their league form. So obviously Barry went on and won promotion last year. I, I, I think it's... I, I, if you take away the negative points, and there are plenty of negative points, undoubtedly, and you know the game, the next game against Chelsea is the one where a lot of people have the problem with because it's against the, the young players. But once the further you get, the more money you make, the closer you are to Wembley. Hopefully, you're playing more uh, first teams rather than youth teams. Um, it, it, I think it will build. It'll be fascinating to know if Argo ever did get to the final, or you know how many fans they take because. Sunderland and Portland fans didn't like it either, but they took a lot to Wembley. Yeah. So it, it's, it's an interesting concept. I'd be fascinated. Part of me, sadistically, wants two under 23 or under 21, whatever it is now, teams to get to Wembley and then see the crowd. And Because until that happens, the people that are in charge can keep sort of swaying this whole idea of crowds because of that. You yeah. know, it was, a, it was a huge attendance at Wembley with Portsmouth and Sunderland. It would, I'm sure it wouldn't be the case if it was Arsenal against Manchester United under 23s facing each other. So Yeah. But it's a, it's a money spinner. I mean, we can't it is, that. yeah. I mean, that, and that's part of the problem, isn't it? Well, not part of the problem, but part of the reason why they're trying to make it more attractive is to make you know bigger prize monies and make teams take it more seriously. Yeah, so definitely. Let's go back to the league then. Um, on to Carlisle on Saturday at home, of course, at mm. Home Park. Um, what do you think the starting lineup should be then, guys? We've spoken a lot about players that could come in, couldn't mm. come in, could drop out. What's Rhino going to do at the weekend? It's a good question, isn't it? Uh, Lots of good questions today. There is. No, <laughs> I'm like uh, this. <laughs> because there's, there's players coming back from injury, there's players dropping out of injury, there's players that are on form, there's players that players are perhaps quite on, on form, and it's trying to find the best mix and combination to, to work with. I mean, off the top of my head, you know, up front I would go Joel Grant and, and Zach Rudden for now. Uh, Alex Palmer obviously goes in goal. Uh, I, I, I still think I would have Will Ameson starting... Um, with with Wooten and, and Gary Sawyer as your your defenders, McFad's in as as your left wing back. You know he'll have a clear week. Hopefully he'll be a bit sharper and and ready to ready to go. Um, now do you play the well? 
Mayer's out, isn't he? So yeah. that, that makes life easier. So you play um, Salsevic and Cooper with Backstrom behind. And then I'd go with Joe Edwards, right wing back. That's what I would go with. But It's going to sound like a boring answer now, but I agree. That was, that was, yeah. that was a line of pipe pick. With so, Danny Mayer not being around, it sort of eases that central midfield mm-hmm. conundrum until the Orient game. And then you, if, if people play well, you know, if, if that team plays and wins, yeah. then with another home game three days later... Well, and those probably not going to change it, is he? No. Um, Looking from the outside, the right wing back role seems to be a bit of an issue because it has chopped and changed throughout the course of the season. Yeah. When Edwards came in, we all spoke about how we felt he was a really good defensive midfielder. Yeah. I do wonder if he might perhaps try keeper as a right wing back. He, he might do. Yeah. He, I, I, you wouldn't rule it out. He has played at right wing back already, Stu. So um, it's, it's a possibility. Um, but then I guess it's lacking that creative quality in the uh, centre I just think the more creative players you've got in the central areas of the pitch the, mm. the better but. and you need players and I said this to Chris on Saturday the, for, for me on Saturday I was the most frustrated I've been at watching Argyle this season because there were so many times where they could have ran towards goal and had a shot but instead they, they're obsessed with passing out to the wing and that's great at times but like Chris said it's almost like they're taking Ryan Lowe's words too literally like they have to do it every time so rather than shoot or, or you know, if you attempt a shot and it bounces off, you might get a chance. But if you don't shoot, you're not going to get them. And it was constantly passing out to that wing. And I think if you have the likes of Cooper in midfield, hopefully that'll be a bit more impetus to sort of drive forward and try and take on those shots. Because we know Argyle have had plenty <coughs> of shots in the past, but it was so frustrating on Saturday. It, the most frustrated I've been, and that's what I hope to see from a Ryan team. Yes, attack, but half the time on Saturday they broke out their own counter attacks through passing out to the wing, which allowed everyone from the Swindon side to get back and then they don't cross the ball in and it gets cleared away and that was so frustrating of course it's like being a fan and not a reporter at a game well I can watch more of the game that's for sure <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be reporting I'm reporting duty again soon aren't I? Yeah, you are yes Chris is uh, I'm, missing the, uh, I'm missing the Orient game going on holiday yeah, so yeah. I'll be covering the Orient game and if they win 4-0 you might not be wanting yeah. back <laughs> but I'm that's happy if you to that's fine why me but but yeah so, that, so I was the most frustrated I have been this season on Saturday because of that sometimes the wing plays good but there's just no one again that seems to win headers. So the crossing is, a, is, a, is an issue and you try and overplay it and there are times where it's overplayed then the defence gets it and it gets cleared and it's frustrating to watch. You know, you, you know there are good intentions there but sometimes they just have to shoot more often and not be obsessed with passing out to the, the I think backs. it all goes back to that it's just not clicking at the moment mm-hmm. and is it going to take a bit longer for things to finally settle down and people to fully appreciate what's expected of them and what the manager wants them to do and I do feel that a lot of the time that, that the rather than trying to play an incisive pass through the centre of the pitch it is there is this almost obsession of we'll play it out to the wing back out to the wing back and that's ha- how Ryan Lowe wants them to play but I'm sure he doesn't want them to do it every single time they've got to play and off the cup you've got to find a bit of a balance to it sometimes and it becomes predictable and because they don't cross in mm. so it'll go out to McFadden just say then it goes back to Sarsavik then it goes back to Scott Wooten mm. and then before it's back at defence when it was a counter attack and you mm. think well what's happened there it's finding the balance and understanding when to play when to do you know follow the manager's instructions to the letter and then like Stu says sometimes you know there's a little ball I can just play in behind for Rudden or Joel Grant to run in behind and, and catch the defence out if you do it if you do anything of the same thing too much it's easier for the defence to anticipate it react keep a shape isn't it when you 
do something a little bit spontaneous off the cuff, mm. then you're likely to catch a defender out. You know, just they just lose that concentration. And then somebody like Joel Grant, he's, he's sharp enough, isn't he? He'll get in behind def- defence, and he showed on Saturday that you know, given some opportunities, he can score goals. There's good enough players there to have the element of surprise sometimes, and to have shots from distance. You know, and it, it might not go in, but the keeper might palm it, it might go out for a corner, it might get a deflection and go in. But unless you take that shot. It's not going to happen. If you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle. Absolutely. <laughs> How much do our guard need to win at home park this weekend? But that's, that's a good point. I think that the draw against Swindon is a good draw, a good point away from home if our goal win on Saturday. If our goal draw and get two points from six games, that is a poor return. So it's not essential, but almost essential, I'd say, for our goal to get a win because otherwise you then one win in nine games... That's almost a quarter of a season and that's just not good enough. Regardless of whether you're a new manager or new players, that form is poor and not acceptable in my view. Yeah, Stu's been good today. He's made some good points, hasn't he? <laughs> you, you should do this for a job. <laughs> He's made some good points. I, I, me and Jack are agreeing too much today. but uh, Yeah, I need different guests. <laughs> I, a point at Swindon will be a good point if Argyle beat Carlisle on Saturday and then four points from two games. That's, you know, that's what you want to build blocks like that during the season don't you any team mm. wants to do that and everyone says if you win at home win at home and get mm. any points away uh, that's a good sign that, that would be uh, so I, I do think it is quite important that they win against Carlisle yeah, mm. well I think the, the fact they've got back to back home games and then mm. the, the Devon Derby coming up after that it's yeah. um, perfect preparation for going on a good run and going to Devon Derby because we all know yeah. how much it means to the fans it's bragging rights and if you're in good form going into that game it would be much better yeah Okay, well, thanks for your time, guys. We'll leave it at that for now, and um, we'll be back again with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We're always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.